one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. You're listening to the Cricket Collective here on Talksport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. So England leave it to the very last few minutes, just five minutes of daylight left before they beat Pakistan by 74 runs in a thrilling first test match in Royal Pindi. We'll try and digest what has happened over the last five days. And as well as that, we'll be joined by new Durham head coach Ryan Campbell and new Sussex head coach Paul Farbrace after they were both appointed in their roles this week. And we'll hear from ECB chair Richard Thompson about the latest regarding the future of the 100. So plenty to come over the next hour. This is the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. I don't know where to begin. It was the highest scoring test match of all time. And the very end of it, Nasser Sain said it may be one of the great captaincy performances of all time by Ben Stokes. And it might be tempting to think that he was caught up in the emotion of it all. But I, I, I mean, I don't think he was. It was absolutely brilliant in so many ways. Yeah, I don't think it is. I don't think that's an overstatement, to be honest, from Nasser. Ben Stokes is brilliant this week in everything he's done. The way England have gone about their business to give themselves a chance to win the game. A lot of a lot of people ask you, what does it take to win in Pakistan, in India? And a lot of the time, it is its time. The game goes so slowly, and if you don't have that that mystery to make the game fast forward at the end of days four and five, then you have to you have to buy yourself some time. And do you know what, man? As I, I said this on the, on the following on a couple of days ago, if it wasn't the England cricket team and Ben Stokes playing on that wicket this week against Pakistan. If it was any other team, we might have been talking about the end of Test cricket. We, we, we might have been talking the end of Test cricket because any other team wouldn't have scored at seven and over. Any other team wouldn't have tried to win like Ben Stokes has tried to win. Any other team wouldn't have declared 343 with three and a half, four sessions to go to try and force a result we probably would have had 500 played 500 played 124 to shake hands hour before the end of play. And we all go on, what a waste of five days we've just had. You know what? We've gone from possibly the end of test cricket to the beginning of something special in a, a test match captaincy career of Ben Stokes, because we said loads of nice things about him on this show, because obviously the, how well we think of him, but the way he's gone about, not only the summer just gone, but this test match in general has been mind-boggling for the decisions that have been made. You know, a 40-year-old, 40-year-old bowler gets four for on, the, on a docile pitch to win England the game with five minutes to go. Um, Ollie Robinson was magnificent as well, but you know, Ben, hats off to, to Stokes in the way he's, he's led his team, telling his team we're going to win, making his team believe they're going to win. And even right at the very end there, you know, trying to get them over the line. The belief that this this group of players have got now, you know, the world's there for them. 
It's such a good point you make, you know. There's been almost 2,500 test matches, and this one could have been one of the very worst, instead of which... Instead of which, it's one of the very best. Yeah, absolutely. I, I honestly, I, I have. I've been sitting thinking, you know what? If Can you remember when we talked about the Australia Test match here and the pitch got marked down? And that's what would have happened. Any other team, any other mentality. I'm listening to Nasser Hussein. I've played for Nasser Hussein. Not a cat and nails chance. Nasser would have gone for 60 not out when they're in that 120 for one, 120 for two. It doesn't happen anymore. You know, this, the way, the way, the mentality of the, what the English were. Even last, less than a year ago, two years ago, Joe Root not going for the, for the, for the runs at Lords against India. It just shows you where this team, where this team is trying to go. And you know what? If they had got beat, I probably still would have been saying these things about Ben Stokes and how positive him and Brendan have been because. If you put yourself in a position like what they have done in the lost, I tell you what, if they kept doing that, they'll win more than they'll lose. And then, you know, fair play to Stokes and McCollum for doing that. Scoring 500 in a day, Harry Brook hitting 27 off and over, Joe Root batting left-handed. What what will be the images that remain in your head? The Joe Root one was hilarious. Collie said afterwards, and Collie was right, to be fair. Collie said afterwards, Joe Root bat, bat better left-handed than Collie bat, bat right-handed. Yeah, you got a point because the shot he played, with the execution of shot he played was excellent. It was it was first class. I think Harry Brook, yeah, and I've said it this week, a lot of people have asked me, even Bats asked me when when we were we were coming to it, and what have you got against Ben Folks? And I've because I've said so many times on this show that I wanted Johnny Besto to keep wicket at the start of the summer. And why, why are you having to go at Ben Folks? And I'm like, I'm not. I've not got anything against Ben Folks. I think Ben Folks is a fantastic keeper. But I know how good Harry Brook is. And I want to get Harry Brook in my side. And the only way I got him in my side is if one of the batsmen, i.e. Pope in this game or Bairstow, would take the gloves and keep wicket because that was the only way you could fit Harry Brook into the side. Now, the big question is, how, do you, how on earth do you get Johnny Bairstow into this team? Good luck on that one, but I thought he was mag- I thought he was excellent. You know, he, he broke the record in the first innings, and he came out second innings and broke the record again for amount of runs per over. And you know, the kids got talked about how good he could be. Um, we've got off to a good start in his Test career. Okay, you mentioned Paul Collingwood there. Let's hear from the assistant England coach talking about uh, Stokes and McCullum as pioneers. It's been pretty clear right from the start that we're willing to. Um, to lose games for the sake of, you know, putting ourselves in a position to um, to win them. When Baz and Ben took over, the number one priority was we need to keep hold of Test cricket for the sake of the game. Um, we need to make it entertaining, just like um, T20 cricket has been. And, you know, the, the bigger picture is the most important thing. Um, this is... For many players, whoever you, when you ask them what is the one form of the game they want to play in, it's Test cricket. But we've got to make it more entertaining, and um, you know that's they're almost feels like they've been pioneers already in terms of how they're going to, going about um, playing the game. Obviously, the way that we're batting, we really are putting opposition under pressure and doing things different to what we've always done, and and how the game has always been played. So. It's great to watch. It's exciting, you know, for us in the dressing room to experience it. I'm sure it's more exciting for you guys yourselves to watch it. And um, if the byproduct means for us that we win games, then so be it. But if we lose and it's been exciting, then, you know, again, it's um, it's still a win for, for Test cricket. That's Paul Collingwood. Um, and pioneers is exactly the right word. And a lot of captains, well... Not a lot, but a few pre- previous to Ben Stokes have talked about being prepared to win in order to being prepared to lose in order to win. Not very many of them have been genuine about that. And, you know, there was a point. There were several points. There were there were an hour or two where England did look like they might lose this test match. Yeah. And they did when Azar Ali was going was going well and Mohamed Rizwan was going going quite well about lunchtime. You're thinking game on here. I think it's 184. I think they needed in two sessions. Even the last session, they needed 83 on the last session. And the last in the in the two times, and you know, Pakistan got 80 in the 
in the last session, I think in, in the first sentence. So when you looked at it, yeah, the game was still in the balance all the way. And that's what we want from, from test match cricket. Where Ben gets it from, I'm intrigued by that because the, the captains that Ben's played for, he don't think he played for Strauss, but Alistair Cook was very defensive. He was out of the Strauss mould. Joe Root was probably out of the the, the Cook the, the Cook mould, which was another one very defensive. And and Paul listening to Paul there himself, you know, me and Paul disagreed on a couple of things when we were playing at Durham, and largely down to the way the game was played. Paul was more defensive than he was offensive. And Stokes, the majority of Stokes's domestic career was played under Paul Collingwood. Um, the only one I can think of who always used the phrase in when he was captain was Dale Benkenstein, who Dale used to, he would always say, look, we've got, a, you know, we're, if we're prepared to lose the game, we've got a good chance of winning it because we are driving the game forward. And I just wonder if he's, if he's got a little bit of gone, that's stuck in his mind when he's decided that this is my mantra as captain. So, yeah, not many will say. Well, no, not many will, you know, go through with what they say when they say we're prepared to to lose the game to try and win it. But boys, boys, Ben Stokes doing it. One of the best lines I heard this week was of David Gower. It was hilarious when he when he was at when I think somebody asked him, "Has Ben Stokes dangled a carrot?" He went, "No, he's offered the whole vegetable patch." Perfect line, brilliant line, and he did. He offered. There was more in a lot more in Pakistan's favour on that surface than there was in England's, especially with, you know, the, the three fast bowlers only used in that second innings. A word about another Ben, and it's interesting, Ben Ben Duckett. I mean, for him to to restart his test career and then play with such positivity and, you know, it'd be easy, wouldn't it, six years after your debut and you get another chance to uh, to just fill your boots um, and and to to play for yourself and you know I mean, he could easily have, have ticked over and, and scored a hundred off two hundred balls but no you know McCullum and Stokes it seems anybody that comes into the team they're told this is the way we do things you 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 know you buy in or you or you ship out yeah um, exactly. so congratulations to Duckett. yeah he batted he batted excellent as well and you know the, this, the dismissal on the second innings people would have. Bygone days would have criticised that. What no shot? What no? There's that shot first ball. But it, this is just the, the new way. And I think if you come in with that mindset, and you come in with that way, playing for the team, not as an individual, not for yourself, but for the team, you will be given a huge amount of chances. When you look at Zach Crawley. You know, there's, they see the ceiling level of Zach Crawley. They knew they wanted Zach in the team. They know how good he can be getting off the starts. And he had a huge amount of chances. And Alex Lees is the other one that they've probably seen the opposite and thinking, it's just not for this group. It's just not, you know, he's he's an excellent player, Alex Lees, and but he's somebody who drives up the game possibly a little bit more than what the others do. Um, and England have have identified that that role isn't there anymore for for this team. So he didn't get the chances because he possibly doesn't fit the the way that this England team wants to play. Whether he has a resurrection during the summer and he comes back, time will tell, but he might have to change his game to get that. Ben Duckett, he is that, like Zach Crawl. He is somebody who will get England off to a fast start. He is somebody that puts the bowler on the back foot. And I think because of that, like we've seen in the first innings, um, McCullum and Stokes will give him ample amount of chances. So it wouldn't surprise me if now Ben Duckett is in the in the in the group, in the team, probably till at least till the end of the ashes. And England will give him you know as many chances as he possibly can to get England off the starts like they had done in this test match to give them the best chance to bind themselves some time to take 20 wickets and win the game. And finally, Army, I said it was the highest scoring five day test match of all time, 1768 runs. So that means we should talk about the bowlers. And England did it upside down, didn't they? The spinners took the wickets in the first innings and the seamers took them in the second innings. Will Jacks, six for 161. There's almost as many first-class wickets as he's ever taken in his career. But Gareth Patty did say at the beginning of the England summer, this boy can bowl. Stop calling him a part-timer. So um, six for 161 for a part-timer. And Jack Leach, two for 190. So they took eight between them. How about Anderson and Robinson? The seamers taking the wickets in the in the fourth innings on the last day, eight for eighty six between them. I, I my feet were bleeding for them. Well, and it's the skill level was was frightening. We know how skillful that Anderson and Robinson are on English wickets, 
in and around off stump, make it hard for the batsman to come forward to because of you know the splice of the bat that they hit. This was a different, this was different skill level altogether. This was making a ball move laterally, using reverse swing. Sometimes bowling bowling a good length on a with a reverse swinging ball into the batsman is very, very difficult because you don't know how much of the degree it's going to swing. So getting your lines right and getting the ball to go on to off stump as opposed to starting a two straight and on off stump. And by the time it gets to the batsman, you get sort of clipped off your legs and you're easily milked. They weren't easily milked. They caused so many problems in and around that off stump. And they got now they got some a little bit of luck because a couple of them caught down leg side, but they deserved the luck. I thought Robinson and Anderson were brilliant. Can you wrap them up, get them to Multan and wheel them out again? That the, the selection dilemma is gonna be it's gonna be interesting because obviously Livingston comes out. Do you keep one we haven't mentioned, and I thought he was brilliant. Yeah, he, he might have shelled a couple, but I thought Ollie Pope was absolutely fantastic. I mean, we talk about in the subcontinent bringing in a specialist wicketkeeper because it's so important, you know, the glove work. Hats off to, to Ollie Pope because it probably up until 24 hours before that test match started, his his preparation on wicketkeeping would have been virtually zero, absolutely none. And he's kept wicket brilliantly. He's catched down leg side on dear five of a test match. Uh, so... Whether whether do they go with him again to get the extra bowler in the team and the seam bowler in the team? I think that'll be the question marks that's coming tomorrow once they've enjoyed this victory tonight. But can the wheel Robinson and, and Anderson out because two very, very skillful bowlers and they're going to need them because if Multan is as flat as what Ralpindi is, then Will Jacks, who's got six for, six for 161, he might find himself out of the team because England might just play a one spinner. They will be the older conundrums that go, but fair play to Jax. The one thing about Jax I enjoyed was his first 20 overs were different to his second 20 overs, and that was with a sleep in between. And I think that was a great sign for me that this kid learned, he learned on his feet because he probably bowled a little bit too slow. He bowled a little bit too sort of English line wide. But when he bowled his second 20 overs, when he come back the next morning, when he had probably had a chat with Jeetan Patel, bowled a little bit quicker a little bit flatter, and he was he was on it. And for me, somebody to learn as quickly as that in international cricket and supposed to be a part-time bowler and then get six wickets, the boy's got a future, which is great to see. It just enhances the pool of players for England to pick. Let's look ahead now to that second Test match in Multan. I assumed that, uh, and I still think that Mark Wood will play. As you said, Liam Livingston has been ruled out of the tour. He's, uh, he's flying home with that knee injury. and And... Would you really keep Ollie Pope as keeper? I mean, you'd have to put your arm around Ben Folks and say, listen, mate, you are the most unlucky England cricketer <laughs> for the last three or four years. The poor bloke, you know, he's had unfortunate injuries. And and if it's a needs-must situation, it's like, Folksy, you're still our man, but Ollie's going to keep in this test match because we we need to we play another bowler. Is that how you're going to go? Possibly. Do you know what? All bases are covered here because they've got, I think they've got a decent array of, of options. You, you, you have to obviously look at the wicket and see where, if it's going to be like Rao Pindi, where it's not going to spin that much, that you potentially need to to go with the, the mystery spinner in, in the leg spinner. It's probably not the game for him in, in Riyadh Ahmed. So you you sort of process of elimination. Livingston's out, Ahmed out. We've now got down, we're now down to 13 how do we get these 13 into 11? Well, Robinson and Anderson Stokes have proved that on these wickets, reverse swing's probably the the way to go. Now, if that's the case, then you're probably going to want to keep Robinson and Anderson in. Can you afford to go with only one other seam bowler? I would like two. Obviously, I can't play 12. Do we look at somebody like Overton and Wood playing as opposed to... Um, to keep the, the the sort of the battering ram of they take the new ball, have a go with a bouncer tactic, which I thought was brilliant with a new ball, and then as it sort of as the ball gets older and scuffs up, you know reverse swing comes into play, and you bring obviously you've got Anderson and and, and Robinson for that. You probably can't play them both because you've got Stokes and that and that's Overton and Wood. So that's what I'd be looking at your game plan if you're playing a wicket very similar to to Ralph Pindy. So. The problem with that is 
how you fit fit them all into 11. And possibly one of the options would be to keep the status quo from a wicketkeeper point of view and bring in Overton for an Overton and Wood, if you want to bring them in for you know, Livingston and, and possibly Jax, who would probably be the unlucky one. Because I still think you've you've you obviously you've got to have a control and spinner and and Jack Leach would be that one. You just don't know what the surface is going to be like. But I think England need to bring a, an, another seamer in to help out Robinson and, and and Jimmy if you can get another Test match out of Jimmy in such a short space of time. Um, I would imagine these will be all the things that are going through Ben Stokes's mind and Brendan McCullum's. The biggest thing is they've got they've got a great chance now to win a Test series in Pakistan and. You know, I was there 17 years ago. We should have won the first test match. We didn't. Then we played on two absolute flat, flat roads. Now Pakistan might have to play on something that's got a little bit more more spin in it or or more win it for the, the quicker bowlers, um, which probably brings England into the game. But if I could get Wood and Overton into the team, I'd be trying my level best. Final word on Pakistan, Hami. Um People will say, how did Pakistan lose that? How do you score 579 <laughs> runs and lose a test match? Um, but just from the body language of the players immediately afterwards, it just seemed to me that Pakistan were completely magnanimous and they were like, <laughs> fair enough. You know what? <laughs> you won it. We didn't lose it. Uh, I mean, th- you know, there was genuine won't go as far as to say affection, but certainly respect and admiration from the home side. Yeah, 100% agree. When you look at it, we've talked, you know, we've gone over the top on how well England played and how good Ben Stokes and Brendan McCullum and the players that have, that have performed in this test match. But I think we have to praise Pakistan as well because bygone years, talked about bygone days, England captains wouldn't have declared. Bygone days, there would have been a lot of time wasting at the end of that test match. And there wasn't. And I think hats off to, to Babar Azam and his team, because as well as it will go down as one of the greatest victories that England has ever had away from home. But Pakistan contributed to, to that to that test match because they didn't give up. They didn't give, you know, didn't give, give an inch. They got runs on the board that contributed to a, a, a wonderful five days. So from, from a Pakistan point of view, yes, they, they played very, very well in it's going to be an interesting two test matches to go because if England aren't at it, Pakistan will be, especially on on, on the surface that, that, that they are. But as much as you want to be as, as joyful as you can be from England's point of view, I think you have to be thankful for the way Pakistan played and contributed to a, a wonderful five days. And finally, for now anyway, because I think we'll talk about this test match again in the weeks to come, but honorary mention for Keaton Jennings, who uh, had to field throughout... Uh, both Pakistan innings after Livingston's injury. And he was in there at short leg. At one point, he was fielding on the batsman's feet. Um, he, was <laughs> short leg. he was on his knees, wasn't he? He was, he was on his knees. He took a great catch as well. He took a, a really good catch. And to be honest, do you know, man, and I've known Keaton for a lot of years. He obviously came through Durham's, Durham's Academy. And if you wanted a, a 12th man with enthusiasm for the job, it's Keaton Jennings. It is. He's just. He just loves cricket. We've had him on. We've had him on. The, we had him on a few weeks. A few weeks ago, and talking about the game. He just. He's obsessed by the game. He loves the game. And if there was an ever a twelfth man that you wanted out there with you, that wasn't going to moan, wasn't going to kick up a fuss because he wasn't in the team, wasn't going to whinge and yeah, that he's got to do it for somebody else. Um, it would be Keaton Jennings because he's one of the nicest men in cricket. Um, he loves the game of cricket, and he loves. I'm sure he'd have been over the moon to be out there just to be involved in what was an epic test match. Okay, moving on. Well, not completely away from uh, the subject of the moment. Ben Stokes, when he retired from ODI cricket, you and I spoke about it just hours after his decision. I said that it was an emotional decision. It was a reaction to appalling scheduling. And I also bet you £5 on air that he would unretire and play in the 2023 World Cup. Well, last week he said that he was open to unretiring. So, do you want to send the five pounds over? I'll yeah, I'll send three pound fifty. I'm, I'm I was I, 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 two weeks ago. I was about I was two pound in the good. I think. I think now I'm 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 a little bit less. I, I think you'll come. I think you're playing the World Cup. I think the bilateral cricket, the way it's, the way the world's going now. I think some of our big players will just play in tournament cricket. In the in the white ball game, especially the ones that play red ball cricket, 
I wouldn't have a problem with that. I think that's the, that would be the best decision possible. Rob Key um, in the, the England selection panel that your big players, just play them in. You know, the, the, we've got a World Cup coming every year. And if they play red ball cricket, just play your big players in, in, the, in the big tournaments and the bilateral series is have a look at some of the younger players to plug the gap to make sure the pool of cooler players are still getting bigger and bigger. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? If Rob Key and Brendan McCullum said to Ben Stokes, we think it would probably be a good idea if you played maybe six 50-over games before the World Cup, uh, or even three or four. Here's the schedule. You can pick them. People used to be up in arms about that thought. You know, you just you can't pick and choose. Yes, you can. Yes, you can if you're Ben Stokes. You can if you're Ben Stokes. You can if you've won two World Cups for your country. And you can if you are now, arguably, one of the most exciting captains in Test Match cricket. I think if you're Ben Stokes, you're walking on water at this minute in time. OK. Now, how much of the Australia-West Indies uh, Test Match in Perth did you get to see? Not much, to be honest. I didn't see much, but I did watch one of my good friends' some, which is crazy to say. Make his, uh, make his international debut. And you know what? I thought the boy did brilliant. I thought Tegnarang did absolutely brilliant, Chanderpaul, for the West Indies. I think what I did see, West Indies lost by 167 runs. But in the grand scheme of things, of the roller coaster of the soap opera of West Indian cricket, I'd have been coming away from that thinking, we've got something to work for here. We've got something to work, for, work with here because... I think there was a lot of good positive stuff come out of that West Indies. They were probably more together than I've I've seen a West Indian side for a long, long time. Um, and the, as building blocks go, I think the West Indies are now potentially got a little group of players now that are going in the right direction. Um, so Brathwaite looks like he's a, you know, a good leader. Holder still wants to play Test match cricket. They've got a, an energetic bowling attack. Um, if they can get some runs to stay in the game and they got off to two good starts, um, they've got a chance. Playing Australia in their own back garden, that boy, that's hard. And especially the way Labuschagne and Smith are playing. Hopefully, Labuschagne and Smith are using all their runs up in their, Engl- in their summer. And when they come over to the English summer, they're all burned out. A final word in this section to John Lewis, whose reign as England women's head coach got off to a winning start in the West Indies with a dominant 142-run victory in Antigua. There's an awful lot more to get through. We'll have to do it next week because uh, we've spoken too much about an amazing first Test match. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. Next up, we'll speak live to new Durham head coach Ryan Campbell after he was appointed this week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean, 
there truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, truly the best place to be a cricket fan. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Mathorb and Double Ashes winner, Steve Harmison. If you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed. Now available via the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm delighted to say, as promised at the top of the show, we're joined live now by Durham's new head coach, former Netherlands coach Ryan Campbell, uh, who's uh, in the Netherlands at the moment. And Ryan, before we get on to a long list of of questions and interesting topics, I've got to ask, how are you? And actually mean it this time. (laughs) How are you? Uh, Yeah, I'm going really well now. Thanks for asking. It's, um, yeah, it's one of those things that earlier in the year, for those who don't know, I had a, I was in England. I came across to to visit my in-laws and, um, mate, I literally, we were at a, a place called Bewilderwood. Uh, having a good time with the family, I'm told, but uh, I can't remember any of, any of that. But um, I woke up seven days later and had been told uh, I had been I died 15 times and uh, not wow. sure what had gone on, but I just kept coming back. And I, I, I guess the romantic in me says that I was never a quitter um, and the love of my family kept bringing me back. But in all honesty, I, I know how lucky I was. And I, I guess without getting too deep or anything, but, you know, to any guys out there especially between 40 and 50 maybe it's time just to go get checked I, I was fit and healthy and, you know I think I've always been fit and healthy but mate I, I literally laid down and died and you know it's so lucky that I was standing next to a, a lady who had just finished her CPR course and she brought me back some miraculous way and you know now I'm still here to tell the tale I, obviously I watch Denmark and Manchester United a bit and uh, watch Ericsson go about his work because we've got the same piece of apparatus in our chest. So, yeah, mate, extremely lucky. But it's given me a different perspective on life, that's for sure. And I don't think many people can say, well, you went to the other side and came back. And let me just tell you one thing. I didn't see any pearly gates or white lights. So I'm a bit nervous <laughs> about how I've lived my life. So I'm going to have to reevaluate a few things. Oh, you say you 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 went to one side and came back. You've gone from one side of the world to another, from you know Perth to the Netherlands, but to Durham. Other than being cold, what have you heard about Durham from? Obviously, from Marcus North. I think it's the best county in the country, but I'm biased. Um, but what have you heard about the great city of Durham and and what the what the county entails and you know how much are you looking forward to to coaching there? Mate, I am so excited, Steve. And I'm not just going to say this because you're sitting there, but I've heard nothing but good things about not only the club, but the people of the North. It's a, it's a wonderful area where they'll make you feel really, really welcome. And to me, like coming from Perth, now, again, us Aussies are very, we're a weird breed, as you all know, but from coming from Perth, we always believed it's the West versus the rest. And that's what made us such great, it's so good in sport. And Picking up on the just talking to guys and ex-coaches and players and stuff, I think that the North versus the rest is very clear and I love that sort of stuff and it's something that, you know, I'm really going to look forward to being involved in. And, mate, I'm very big on where we come from. So, you know, our players will hold their clubs for first, very dear to them because that's the foundation stones of Durham cricket. And the city as a whole, where, you know, I'm going to embrace every part of it. And, you know, my kids are moving. The only thing I'll say now is my seven-year-old who loves his football and has grown up here, the only team he's ever seen is Man City. And when I mentioned that we're going to go and maybe I'll take you to a Newcastle game, I, I was greeted with a, a very dear frown saying, no, Daddy, I'm a Man City fan. So please don't tell anyone that. That my seven-year-old's a City fan. We'll try and work on him and get him uh, following Newcastle or someone. As long as he's not a Sunderland fan, you're all right. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell him that. I'll tell him that. Ryan, quick reflections on your time with the Netherlands. Although you weren't at the T20 World Cup, you laid many of the foundations and many of the players paid uh, tribute to you and and the coaching that you'd done with them. They obviously qualified automatically for the 2024 T20 World Cup. They beat South Africa, which was a, a hell of a scalp. Uh, you must feel very proud of their achievements and what you did. 
Oh, mate, 100%. And I was there, Neil. Don't worry about that. I, I was there. Um, you know, what, what we did was uh, a guy called Ryan Cook took over, you know, through the summer when I was, um, you know, off work and stuff. And we just felt – I knew my time was with the Netherlands was coming to an end of the World Cup. I'd always planned it. I thought it was a great way to finish. I'd been there for nearly six years. And I just sort of discussed with him, maybe it's best if Ryan continues to take over. I'll come as a consultant. I'll finish the way I want to finish. But to look at and see our boys, what we've done, I say it, my boys, because, you know, you get very close and that's the sort of coach I am. I, I love the relationship with players and, you know, to see where they came from, from five and a half, six years ago, where, let's be honest, the Dutch were pretty good at having a party when it came to cricket. <laughs> and and we, we would win every now and again. And of course, we don't want to bring up that we knocked uh, the English off a couple of times in World Cups. But I think I installed a lot more professionalism in what we had. Everyone knows that we've had county players before and still do. But with Brexit now, we can't have our guys looking to, to aspire to play county cricket. So I needed to build the depth of talent in the kids that were coming from the Dutch. And I think that's my biggest achievement was the bus delayers, the Vikram Singhs, young Philip Boussevain, Cherise Ahmed, all these youngsters who have come through our pathway. I had to give him opportunities. And, you know, you started to see Max O'Dowd had never opened the batting until I came and gave him that opportunity. So I, I guess with a different set of eyes, you can see things. And that's the same that I'll look at Durham. I'll, I'll look at all the players with, a, you know, no forward per perception, so to speak. It's just literally I'm going to see what, how the puzzles fit in, basically, and the pieces of the puzzles. But, mate, the Dutch... It's a fantastic story to, to beat South Africa. And to be honest, the only thing I said before that game was just remember the history of South African cricket in World Cups. And, and it's, it's one of those sad things. And I actually felt a bit sorry for them. But you know at some point South Africa are going to mess it up in a World Cup. And depending on – and, you know, as soon as they won the toss and said we're going to bowl first, I made mention to my assistant coach, Jimmy Hilditch, mate, we watch them take the gas here because they reckon they're going to bowl us up for about 100. And then knock them off. If we make 150, we're in the game. And that's what happened. And our players, you know, bowled really well, defended well. But in the end of the day, putting a, an associate on the map and the story it made that we could have an effect on the whole outcome of the World Cup, I think that was a fantastic thing to happen. And, you know, obviously for them to qualify for the 24 World Cup. So it means we avoid. Remember, the World Cup qualifiers now change. And there's only two teams that are allowed out of Europe, and that's Scotland, there's Ireland, there's us, in summer where we don't have all our county players. So it was going to be a nightmare. So very happy, very proud of the players. And, um, you know, like I say, I'll always be a Dutch fan. My kids speak fluent Dutch. I'll always keep an eye on them. But now I've got bigger fish to fry, so to speak, and hopefully I uh, can do a good job at Durham. Just to finish up, Ryan, on, on the Dutch, do you think it could be used along with... Ireland and possibly Scotland, when touring teams come to England. So instead of playing, you know, Leicester second team, Northampton second team, we've been saying this quite a bit on this programme that why don't they go to Holland first and play a four-day test match against Holland? Or why don't they go to Ireland and play a four-day test match against Ireland? Because surely that will be better preparation for the touring team, but as well as, you know, the, the education of, of, of cricket and the associate level. Mate, Stevie, you've knocked it on the head, mate. It's one of those things that I think, I guess I've been in the associate world now for about 10 years, you know, in Hong Kong and here, and I've watched these associates grow and the depth of talent in all the teams and, and the, the gap has closed from, you know, number 10, number nine in the world to 12 or 13 to 16, 17. Mate, it, it's closed. So we have to promote the game. And the only way we can do that is to give the Dutch, give the Irish, give the Scots opportunities to play. There's no doubt that we were so good at the World Cup this year because we're in the Super League and we've had a summer. We've had Afghanistan, we've had England, we've had the West Indies, we've had Pakistan, we had New Zealand. Mate, we were ready to go. And that's what playing against great opposition is. So I've always said, you know, teams that are coming, no disrespect to the county system, but those county teams don't want to play a touring international team. They've got enough cricket. So, yeah, if we can, I think we've got to angle it that the Islands, the Scotlands, the Dutch we get to play those big teams and we'll be better opposition because it'll mean something to us. I keep saying us, I'm gone now. Should you stop that? <laughs> it, it would be, and as we showed, even against England, I know there was a world record score and all that sort of stuff, but 
mate, there was 7,000 crazy fans in that stadium having the time of their life, watching good cricket, drinking beers, passing out under the, under the bleachers, you know, because the old Dutch way is, mate, you do what you want. As long as you're not an idiot, come and have a good time, watch some cricket, get booze, end up in a coffee house or something, and you never know, you have a great day. You wake up three days later. And what's what's Durham in store? What's Durham got in store from from Ryan Campbell? What are, what are you gonna first of all? What's your first thing in the intro? Are you gonna tell the Durham players about yourself and how the next part of their journey is gonna be from their head coach? Mate, there's two things, Harmy. The the one is I love this game. I love everything that uh, that comes with the game of cricket. I've been luckily in, involved in 30 years. And I want to make sure that those players understand that this game has to be loved because if you start to get into the cycle and things don't quite go right, mate, it can turn around and bite you on the bum very, very quickly. So it will be about enjoying the game and the love of it. I want players at the end of my time and the end of their time at Durham to actually say out loud when they ask, we ask for feedback, mate, how was your time? And they're going to say, that was the greatest time of my life. No doubt about it. I had an awesome time. So that, that's the environment that I want. And the other thing is I hate draws. The worst thing about cricket is drawing. And I noticed that, you know, last year we had eight draws in the championship. If I can convert two or three of those to wins, and again, we're probably going to lose a couple on the way because, mate, the gloves are off. The safety net is gone. I'm about at any point in the game, how are we going to win this? That's the only question players have to answer. And of course, and again, without being too deep, but fearless versus reckless, we're going to make sure that the, the line is very clear in the stand. But, mate, our players, especially our batters, they got to go for it because, as you know, mate, to win county games, you've got to take 20 wickets, and that's going to take time. And so my batters need to understand that. We've got to give the bowling staff as much time as possible, go about it, and hopefully people on the sidelines are going, gee, that was fun to watch, and uh, Durham are winning games. Ben Stokes hasn't been talking to you about uh, his theory <laughs> on, on playing cricket, has he? Oh, it's a bit hard not to ignore, but I'm not sure we're going to go at seven and over, which is quite <laughs> ridiculous. But, look, they, they've obviously embraced a very – and they've got a team full of those sort of batters. So, you, obviously, you've got to balance what you've got compared to where you want to go. But I think it's just about players having – really, really good basic games. And if we do the hard work now, make sure their basic game is in order so that they can take and absorb the best that people can throw at you, either with a bat or the ball, but then we can throw back at them. I, I think that's the basis of a really good cricketer. So, yeah, I, I'm going to be big on basics. Don't get me wrong. We're going to do more basics and out-basic the other team, hopefully, in the off-season and during the season. But, mate, we're going to come back with with a bit of fire as well. So. Hopefully that, and the knowing that the gloves are off, the draws aren't what we're after. It's about winning games of cricket. Hopefully that uh, all gets in, in good order and we can be very successful. You're not yet immersed in the county game, so it would be presumptuous um, for you to, to talk about the structure of the England game. But I know that you follow it and, uh, and you would have been following the debate about Andrew Strauss's high performance review and and reducing the amount of first-class cricket and the four formats and the hundred. Any sort of overriding thoughts? Mate, uh, coming from a country that lost first-class cricket, um, when I started, we had what we called the I-Cup, which was a, an unbelievable place to teach kids how to play the game. And, and I always think that the longer form of the game teaches players. And, and we had Dan Christian as a, as a consultant uh, through the World Cup and, and, you know, having long conversations with him. Now, there's one guy who's probably one of the most successful T20 players, white ball players in the world, but he always comes back to, it was because of my first-class career. That's where I learnt my game. So I, I always worry if you're going to take away first-class cricket. I'll be honest, and again, I probably shouldn't say this out loud, but if they're reducing it to those six teams, how do I get Durham to be one of those six teams? That, that's my goal. I, I don't care about everyone else. I want to be one of those six teams. So... And that's coming from a long way back. So, you know, it's obviously we got to get everything, our structures in place first. But if that's the way they're going to go, then we're going to be a part of that and we're going to embrace it. And again, you're listening to an Aussie talk about English cricket, but I have a passion for the game. And I've always sat and watched county cricket with, I guess, the same sort of love towards our Sheffield Shield cricket, because that's where we make players. And 
I think over the last few years, what we've seen is in w, in Australia for sure, the big bash goes too long. So there's gaps for those first class cricketers during that time. And obviously it's happened the same here where, you know, the hundred and the, and the blast take over for a little while there. So somehow we got to get a, the right balance because we all know that it also costs a lot of money to, to run the game. So we need to cash in as well, but uh, hopefully Mate, the guys that get paid all the money to make those tough decisions will come, will come to it. But I, I, I don't know Strauss at all. But from being an outsider looking in, it sounds like a guy who listens to people and he's always open to, to the right people. So obviously Rob Key's a great guy doing a, a good job for England. So as long as the right people are talking to each other, hopefully we find the right balance. And one person that's talking the right noise to his team at the minute is one Benjamin Stokes. How is it exciting? I know you're not going to work with him too much, but you will work with him, work with him probably off the field quite a bit because he's, he's always at the ground. He's always practicing there. Um, as well as that, um, exciting to have the likes of Potts, Wood, Cars, and potentially Ben for a couple of games next year because the room have got some very, very good young players. Trust me, I've been in there and seen them at close quarter, but they've got, they've got some fantastic bowlers as well, if they're fit. And, you know, you're talking about giving them time to to win matches, but the likes of Bryden Cass, you know, if Mark Wood does play a couple of games and, and Matt Potts, they room have got a bowling attack, especially on flat wickets to take 20 wickets. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, like I say, the, the North East is renowned to be a production line of fast bowlers. And, you know, uh, I think it's John Windows who, who does a great job in the academy, who's produced all these players. So, look, when I sat down, and I'll be honest, I got offered another position in county cricket. And when I sort of sat down and spoke to my wife, she said, let's go to the warm. I said, let's go to the cold. But when we, when we actually spoke about the cricket side, and my wife's not a cricket fan, but she's very clever and listens and can put things in order and the pros and cons, so to speak. Durham just stood out. It was being associated with a guy like Ben Stokes, you know, to see how he goes about his work, to see if I can learn from him that then can teach our youngsters. Because, you know, there's a couple of uh, young all-rounders there as well, and hopefully we're going to get a couple more that can add and who better to learn from. So, you know, when you talk about those sort of guys and Mark Wood and that, it's you, you want to be around the best players in the world, I reckon, and that would make me a better coach. And the reasons... Plus, throw in Marcus North. Obviously, my my history with Marcus, it was just a great fit, I think, except for the cold. I'll go back to that. But except for that, I just think it's a great fit. And like I say, I'm excited. Like every new coach about to start a new adventure, and you know, you're all excited. But I honestly think when I get there, it's going to feel like I've been there for ages because that's just the feeling I get already that it's just a wonderful place to be. Your enthusiasm is infectious. It's a, a really, I, I can't wait for the season to roll on. Any any doubts physically at all? I mean, it, does the, the it's a pacemaker that you've got. And do, does that no, matter? Are you are you hundreds now? Mate, I, I'm hundred. I've got what they call an ICD, which basically is my insurance policy. You know, my heart's in perfect shape. That's the weird thing about it. But if it picked up that I was sort of going in a in a weird way, it would give me one hell of a shock, and I'd be back uh, in the, in the land of the living very quickly. So. I tell people don't sit next too close to me, but um, the, the, the biggest test for me is I'm not a great flyer. I've never been a great flyer. So when I get on airplanes, I get a bit nervy. So I've got to sort of calm myself down and relax it, and, and sit back and relax and go through it. But, mate, it, it honestly, I was back at work, not full time, but I was back at 42 days after it happened. You know, I, I was there watching, analysing, doing stuff, and then started throwing and doing all these sort of things. So... The fitness, I'm probably not as fit as I was before it because I've obviously had to be careful of the program that they've put me on. But that that will also, the, the handbrake's going to be taken off that as well. So, mate, the, the good thing is you look after a seven-year-old and a four-year-old, you've got to be on your game very quickly, especially when they can speak another language and you don't. So they're, they're all over you, that's for sure. So I, I think they're my greatest fitness test going around. Thank you so much for your time, Ryan. As I said, I can't wait for the season to to roll around. And uh, and you, you're absolutely right about Durham and all those draws last year, and that, that many of them were were winning draws. Uh, so if you can uh, if you can make that ten percent of difference, I think you'll be winning a lot of games. Thanks, mate. We we look forward to the challenge. And like I say, I, I'm excited about the squad we have. Hopefully, we we might see a few new faces as well. But 
the big thing for me is well, I'll be promoting as many youngsters as I can and, you know, really pushing the Durham brand with our pathways and, and hopefully develop some future English cricketers. That was new Durham head coach Ryan Campbell. Tell you what, Harmy, it's going to be a roller coaster ride. <laughs> it's going to be it fun. Is. It is. It's going to be. It's going to be great. And listening to his enthusiasm for the job, um, he sounded brilliant. And players will want to play for him, which is which is a good thing. He sounds as though he wants to win games, which is brilliant. Durham. You mentioned the draws. I think the groundsman. He needs to get on his side very very quickly because I don't think the groundsman was too keen on uh, not sitting on his roller and having any green grass on it. I tell you what, he's got man. Is he's got a a very very good young side who. I think with Ryan Campbell's enthusiasm will go a long, long way. Michael Jones at the top of the order. I still think that boy could challenge and push for a for an England place. I really do. I think he's a good player. Seen glimpses in the T20 World Cup for Scotland. Um, what he's got. Lees will go back and score a load of runs after playing international cricket. And if you get Cars fit, you could potentially for for maybe three or four championship games have have a bowling attack of Cars Wood. And pots, I tell you what, that's 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 an excellent attack. So with all that in place, he's got something to work with. And fingers crossed, the enthusiasm he's got for having a chat with me and you will not dwindle when he gets up to the northeast in the cold, because there's some good, exciting young players at Durham. 19s are very, very good, um, and some of the age groups down below. I know he's only got, I know he's only signed a three-year contract. There's some very, very good young players. You mentioned John Windows. John Windows has produced some very, very good players in the in the past, and he's got some good ones there at the minute as well. So fingers crossed, Durham on the on the up and up. You're listening to the Cricket Collective here on Talksport Two with me, Neil Manthorpe, and two-time County Championship winner Steve Harmison. I'm delighted to say, as promised at the top of the program, we're joined live from Abu Dhabi by uh, the new Sussex head coach Paul Farbrace. Uh, Farby, congratulations on the position. First question is: um, apparently, you were headhunted. You didn't apply for it. Uh, look, the, uh, I, I did have conversations with the club for quite a while about the role. And I've been looking, I'll be perfectly honest, I've been looking for something since I left Warwickshire, something nearer home. Um, living in Kent, I was looking for something nearer home. And I was looking for a project that I could really get into. And I had a couple of conversations with a few organisations. And uh, about 10 days, 12 days ago, I had a good conversation with the chairman at Sussex, which led to them being interviewed um, formally. Um, and then being offered the job. So I'm delighted because I think it's an absolutely brilliant opportunity. A lot of good young players, one or two seniors in Ravi and uh, Finney to to work with as well. But, uh, you know, a lot of good young players and a lot of potential. And that's that's the thing that really excites me, to be honest. There's a common perception that swapping director of cricket for head coach is... Uh, slipping out of the suit and back into the track suit. Is that, is that how it works? Yeah, look, I, I, and also with this role, it, it's responsibility for professional cricket. So that includes the director of cricket role for um, professional cricket, which I'm excited about because that gives me the opportunity to really shape something. Um, you know, I've learned a lot over the last four years at Warwickshire. I've said before, it took me two years to learn what a director of cricket did um, and how he's supposed to operate. Um, and so, you know, having had two years of knowing what the job's about. And look, I, I, I love being in with players. That's, you know, I think fundamentally I see myself as a coach. Absolutely brilliant four years at Warwickshire and I left on really good terms and they've been fantastic to me. They allowed me to come and do this T10. They were allowing me to do the T20 Emirates League in January, February as well. So, you know, Warwickshire being absolutely fantastic. It's a great club, um, but th- this is a, a new challenge. And as I say, I'm delighted to be back in a tracksuit and, get my shorts on and get in the nets and do what I, I think I do best, which is working with players, hopefully. And you mentioned working with players, Farby. There, there's an exciting bunch of players that I, I caught. I was at Durham for Durham's last home game. It was against Sussex. And I know Durham won the game convincingly, but I came away thinking, he's got a chance of playing for England, this kid. He's got a chance of playing for England, this kid. And the thing that, the, the problem I had with, I seen with, with Sussex was the more and more they keep getting beaten up, how much is that affecting the young lad's confidence? But boy, there's some talent there. Yeah, and look, you know, I think in county cricket more than any other form of the game of cricket, you need good senior players around your youngsters, don't you? And, you yeah. know, it's brilliant having young players come through. In your time at Durham, you know, Crikey, you, you've been the club that brought through so many young players. 
and your senior players, the likes of you and Collie and other senior players around them, play a huge role. So, you know, my, my job with Grant Flower and James Kirtley is to make sure that we get the senior players in the right place and then we, we set up, you know, an environment for these young players to really develop and grow. And you're right, I, I think there are... I think there are three or four really talented young cricketers who have the potential to play for England. I hope that, that there's quite a few that want to play for England because, you know, if they've got desires on playing for England and they want to get better, then hopefully they're going to push themselves on a daily basis. The, the danger when you have so many young players is it's almost they expect to play and, and they know there isn't that much um, when it comes to competition for places. They expect to play and maybe they get a little bit casual in their practice and, and they just know they're going to play. So I think we've got to make sure that we really foster a spirit of working hard every single day to be the best they can be. When you look at Sussex, it seems from the outside, they're a white bull club who play red bull cricket, but not. it's not something that's high on the agenda. Is that something you want to you look at and, and try and change? Yeah, definitely. Look, I, I think looking, looking at their white bull team, their blast team for a period, they were very much almost two separate teams, weren't they? You know, they had a fantastic white ball team and a lot of those players then went off and played around the world in franchise cricket. And then the red ball team sort of came together uh, and played championship cricket. I, I think the only way and the best way to develop these youngsters is to get them playing all forms of the game and to, you know, get away with and do away with them being seen as either a red ball or a white ball specialist. You're a cricketer, you know, you play the game. And whether mm. it's 10 overs, 20 overs, 50 overs, 90 overs in a day, the game is the game. And, and the best way to improve is to play all forms of the game. And that's how we're going to improve, you know, the Haynes, the Orr, um, Carson, young Archie Lenham. The best way we're going to help them improve is for them to play all forms of the game and not be specialised as one or the other. And I, I think that's a really easy way to get players to improve. Been a lot of change at the club, obviously. You mentioned a couple of senior players who've stayed. Uh, many have left. Um, and last year, I think the average age of the squad was the youngest in a county since about the 1890s. Is there some some smoothing of ruffled feathers to, to be done as well amongst amongst the members? There has been a bit of turmoil. Look, I, I think, you know, a club like Sussex, who went through a period where they were really successful. You know, under Pete Moores, they had a fantastic time. Mark Robinson carried that on. And, and I think there's a danger that all clubs sort of, feel that, you know, there's a bit of a right to win trophies and there's a right to um, be in the top division and challenging for trophies. But you have to earn that right. You know, and as Harmi's just said then, I think that there looks to me from the outside as though there was a real focus on white ball cricket, just purely by the way the teams were set up. Um, and I think now we've got to get back to earning the right to be challenging for trophies. But the one thing that I'm not doing is going there to have an easy time. I want to go and win and I want players to win, want to win. And I want players to want to play for England. And, and for me, it's very simple. Whether it was at Warwickshire, uh, wherever it is that you work, um, now at Sussex, I, I think there are three key things. You develop a spine of homegrown players. You develop players to play for England at all levels. That's England under-19s, Lions and first team. And you develop a team to win trophies. And I make no apologies or excuses. I'm not going to be typically British and say, oh, it would be nice to compete. I want to win. You know, I, mm. I, I, I really do want to win. And I want to get in there and get stuck in and right from the start, I'll be talking to the members and the players about winning. Now, that puts a bit of pressure on me and others around me, but we should have that pressure. We're not, we're not just turning up to be a nice team to play against and, you know, just jog along because that's, that's no good for anybody. So, you know, I, I hope that I've been given the job because they think I've got a chance of doing that, but I am desperate to win games of cricket and win trophies. That's what you play the game for. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I think it's the best. When you think of that Sussex side that, that I played against, when you mentioned Morsey and they had a game plan, you knew the game plan of when you were playing Sussex. It was, they were going to contain you until Rana got it either with a new ball or when he got reverse swinging and Mushy would bowl from one end and everybody else would bowl around. You knew what you were getting with, with yeah. Sussex. So is that something you're, you're going to try and achieve by bringing in overseas players? Because I had some... With the younger players last year, you had some, you know, top overseas players, you know, watching one of them play at this very minute on my TV, and that's Mohamed Rizwan, and the likes yeah. of Pajara, and they were top, top quality players. Yeah, and look, as as you, you rightly say there, I mean, you know, you think then around that 
Um, you know, Chris Adams as a captain who was a, a, a proper leader. He was feisty, he wanted to win. Matt Pryor, crikey, I mean, you know, no one more desperate to win games of cricket than Matty. So, you know, you, you, they had fantastic players. And, and what we've got to do is get back to having that real desire to win, that real passion to win. Um, and I'm not saying that, you know, I'm, I'm not saying they haven't had that, but I think that's something that you can really quickly get into a team. And then the, the other aspect of it is, you're right, Pajara is signed to come back. You know, Cheswell Pajara, one of the best players in the world. And I saw him get 100 in the 50-over tournament. Edge Baston last year for Sussex. He played brilliantly. And you, you, you're going to need him to be fantastic. Jaden Seals has been signed for the first half of the championship season. You know, hopefully Joffrey Archer will be available to play some early games as well. Ollie Robinson will play some games early on before the Ashes. So, you know, if we can get one or two of those players in, get Finney back playing and get Finney back to his best, um, he may not be able to play every game, but if when he is playing, we can get the best of Finney. We then give ourselves a chance of being very, very competitive. And once you start to win a couple of games, it's amazing how quickly that goes through the team. And, you know, you've already highlighted that if, if you just keep getting beaten, you almost turn up expecting to get beaten. We've mm. got to turn that round now and expect to win. Not hope to win, expect to win. And, and that's, you know, that's something that we can start that as soon as we possibly can in terms of the language we use around the players we talk to. Last time we spoke to you on the on the uh, um, Cricket Collective, you mentioned about coaches becoming a bit lazy in their technique. Yeah. I think we were talking about, bat, you know, bat, batsmen batting on off stump and that kind of thing. And and you said that, you know, there was a feeling amongst some coaches that you you needed to give players space to discover things for themselves. I, I assume you're not going to be lazy at Sussex. No, absolutely. And, you know, and I wasn't saying people are not throwing balls or hitting catches or talking to players. But I think we've got into a state in English cricket where we've almost sort of said, well, you know, you do what you want to do and we won't disrupt you too much because we don't annoy you. We want to stay in our jobs as coaches. You know, and we watch the England team playing brilliantly at the moment in all forms of the game. But those players have earned the right to get to that level. They, they've done the hard work to get to that level and being allowed to play with that bit of freedom. But every team needs parameters. Every team needs a structure and then within that structure, you can go and play how you want to. And that's what, you know, the, 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 under Rob Key uh, you know, and, and Matthew Mott and Brendan McCullum, that they are they're playing with a real freedom, but there is a structure there as well. And what we need to do in county cricket is make sure that we are producing high-quality players with really good, solid techniques who can then go and play at the next level. And that's where I think it's up to us as county coaches to work really hard. To, and sometimes you have to be unpopular with your players to make them work that little bit harder. Make sure their techniques are sound, whether it's batting, bowling, fielding or keeping, that when they go into that England team, they stay in that England team and they don't come back and they say they can't cope with this level of cricket. Their techniques are not good enough. Just a quick word on T10 cricket. How much coaching can you do there? Oh, yeah, loads. The... Uh, the um, you've got sixty balls to go in it, as many sixes and fours as you can. Um, you know, it, it, it's it, 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 it's a tough. I mean, we we were really lucky. We had a brilliant bowling team. We had a fantastic bowling team. Naveen Hack, AJ Tyre, Dil Rashid, Peter Hatsaglu. We had a fantastic bowling team. Our batting, we had Hales, Vince, and Chris Lynn at the top of the order, and we didn't just quite fire. But you know, when you've got people like you know, as I say, James Vince, Alex Hales, Chris Lynn at your top three you're not spending too much time talking to them about how they're going to play. You're encouraging yeah. them to go and play their natural game. And they've got 60 balls. And it's, I came here last year thinking it's a brutal game for the bowlers. It's actually worse for the batters because they're trying to hit world-class bowlers out of the park for six every ball. And that's not an easy job sometimes. So uh, it's great fun. And it's more about you've got two weeks to bring a team together and get them playing as well as you possibly can. Um, the best team won out here, Deccan won. Mushy's the coach and they had some fantastic players, played brilliantly and they deserve to win it. But it is a great tournament for players to play in. Finally, from me, Fab, you, you mentioned about structures. What do you make of the structure of English cricket at the minute? High performance got kiboshed. Where do you think we're, what avenue do you think we're going down? What road do you think we're going down from a structure of English cricket? From You've had a director of cricket's hat on. You're now going to have a coach's hat on. We don't know where we're going to be in 2024. Where do you see you know, the structure of English cricket going? Well, look, the, the England team at the moment, you know, we're, we're holding the World Cup 50 overs. We've just won the T20 World Cup. They're playing unbelievable test cricket. I mean, your mate Keezy's got them playing with Baz. Unbelievable cricket. I mean, it is fantastic to watch. And those players have come from county cricket. And I've said mm. many, many, many times, that players only come from county cricket. They don't come from anywhere else. So county cricket's alive and well. My fear is that in Strauss's paper... He 
presume that every county wants England to be number one in the world in all forms of the game. I don't think they do. I don't think every county is convinced about producing players for England. I think there's a lot that are concerned about looking after themselves, and I don't think the game is aligned. That, that's, that's the first thing. And then the second thing is, you know, what we can't afford to do is keep restricting and reducing Red Bull cricket. Because at the moment, if you're a young English batsman, and out here in the T10 army, there's probably been three or four players in every team from England, young batters who strike the ball brilliantly, fantastic players. Smead's been playing out here. Joe Clark, you know, as I say, Hales, Vince, there's so many players out here playing that are brilliant English cricketers. You can play nine months of white ball cricket around the world in the year, playing at home and then away in the winter. And in county cricket, if we keep reducing the games, at the moment, we only play three months of Red Bull cricket. Mm. We've got to be really careful we don't keep restricting and reducing Red Bull cricket because we're going to narrow our field of Red Bull opportunity and Red Bull batters. We're going to narrow it even further. You know, and, and you know, we haven't got many high-quality Red Bull top-order batters in our game. We've got loads of middle-order players, but we haven't got too many at the top of the order that can open the innings at the moment. And my fear is if we keep reducing county cricket, we're going to dwindle those numbers down even more. So I think county cricket is a fantastic game. I think it produces so many fantastic players, and we can see that in the England team at the moment. But we just have to be careful with what we do with Red Bull cricket in this country. Fabi, thank you so much indeed for your time. I know you've got a plane to catch. Hopefully you'll be turning left and there'll be a glass of bubbly waiting for you. (laughs) I hope so too. Thank you very much, fellas. That was uh, New Sussex coach Paul Farbrace and we wish him all the very best at Hove next summer. You've been listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. If you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed. Now available via the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back at uh, roughly the same time next week to reflect on the second test between Pakistan and England. But for now, this has been another edition of the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you are keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mm. Mm. 